Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Finally, somebody outside of the state of Texas is back on the podcast. I have had quite a few people that have been on Minor Wisdom that are not from the state of Texas, that do not run their lives around UIL, one-act play. But this week, I have Miss Christy Ross-Clausen. She is all the way from Appleton, Wisconsin, and I'm so happy to have her on. She is a wealth of technical theater knowledge. She is one of the administrators for the technical theater educators facebook page and i was so excited that she agreed to come on because she has just so much if if she gives her brain up in 30 years when she passes away 40 years whatever that might be then you're going to open it up and it's just it's just going to explode with technical theater and theater education and theater professional theater knowledge it's just it was ridiculous how much information this woman had and i only talked to her for about an hour she has agreed to come on later on months from now once we kind of figure out what the new normal is for us educators in the schools and and it's going to vary from state to state because most of us most of the people listening to this podcast are in the state of texas and we have a governor that hasn't been in a classroom in well probably 50 years i don't know i don't know how old Governor Abbott is, but he talks like a big game that he's 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 ready to uh, open up these schools and this is how we're going to do it and we're going to have kids six feet apart and blah 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 blah, but uh, it's just not going to happen. So once we figure out what the new normal is, then Christy uh, might come back on and sort of share her knowledge and share her insight into how to make this work, how to make technical theater education work with social distancing, how to make theater work with social distancing, which it can't, that's the answer, but at least we can try. And we are adaptive creatures, aren't we? So Christy shares a ton of websites, and I'm going to put those websites in the notes of today's podcast so that you guys have those. You don't have to go every, you don't have to pause it every time you listen or every time you hear a website, you don't have to sit there and pause it. I hope you guys are listening to these podcasts, and I know most of you are not listening to them like you normally would or uh, you aren't listening to them all the way through necessarily in one sitting, but I do hope that eventually you do listen to this entire thing because you're going to learn so, 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 so much. And for those of you that are not technical theater background, I highly recommend this because it's going to give you lots of tips on what you should do, uh, what you need to do, what 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 websites there are. Animatedknots.com is a website that she mentions. Uh, I've known about that one, but... You could go on there and just learn how to, you could sit there right now and in your bedroom and on your couch in your living room, just learn how to tie knots. And that's a valuable tool. Modtrust.com, such a cool website. But anyway, there are just so many things that she talks about. I really highly recommend that you spend the time uh, listening to this one and uh, learning, getting your learn on. Speaking of getting your learn on, there is still the thespian professional development. We've had some pretty good response to that and uh, Mandy and I have recorded now uh, one special just sort of treat for you guys which we're going to do a few more in the near future so that you guys uh, are getting information from 
vendors and exhibitors and sponsors and different things like that. So you're getting tips and tricks and you're getting information for the future. And it's something that we just, we feel that you will find some value in it. And if you're not, then sorry, maybe you can give us some suggestions. I'm open to suggestions. I hope other people are too. We're kind of in that business where a suggestion helps us improve, right? Isn't that what theater is? So I hope everybody is doing well. I hope I'm finding everyone in good health. Uh, happy Memorial Day to everyone as this comes out. It is Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, so happy Memorial Day. Uh, and I don't know if happy is a, is the best thing to say for Memorial Day, but let's make it a happy one, and let's remember those soldiers that uh, have given their ultimate sacrifice uh, to this country. So enjoy your weekend. Um, it is not... A, a reason to celebrate necessarily, but at least celebrate those that that did give their life uh, for you and for your freedoms and for your right to be able to say what you want and do what you want and play where you want and wear a mask or not wear a mask. You should wear a mask. I don't see why you shouldn't. Anyway, I hope everybody's doing well. Enough about that. That got awkward real fast. Here is Christy Ross Clausen. First, thanks for having me on this. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share my little bits of knowledge and hopefully keep people excited about theater education. Um, I am a woman who wears many hats. I started out as a vocal performance major at the Conservatory at Lawrence University and then quickly realized that they didn't need opera singers in Appleton and I didn't like opera all that much anyway. So I was working in banking at the time. I hated it, went back and got my teaching certification. And I taught uh, K-12 choral general music in Wisconsin at a variety of places for about 15 years. Uh, and every place that I went to, I also taught theater because that's how we do it here in Wisconsin. Right. So I realized uh, about midway through this that I really enjoyed theater. And although my high school choir director was wrong, saying I couldn't earn a living working backstage, that was something I wanted to so I went back and started working on a master's degree in theater, which at the time was called drama and education. So I was going to get a master's and die, yeah. uh, which kind of was, yeah. So uh, that morphed over the years. Uh, the program changed. The people who were in charge of it changed. And by the time I finally finished the program in 2010, it was a master of arts in theater research, uh, theater for young audiences, because that's the area of education I was focusing in. And then what I studied was technical theater pedagogy. How do we teach people to do technical theater skills? Uh, along the way, I got my IA card. So I've been a journeyman in the IATC since 1990. Um, I also got my actor's equity card kind of <laughs> tangentially. Uh, it was one of those, hey, I need an equity stage manager and I have a lot of friends in the industry. So I sent out an email to 16 equity stage managers, all of whom were working, wrote back to the person who asked me looking for the referral. And I said, you know, I can stage manage, but I don't have an equity card. So she called the Chicago equity office and said, uh, I got this woman, but she's not equity, but we'd like to hire her. What do we do? And they said, give her a contract and she'll become an equity member. Mm. So I, I kind of fell into that tangentially, but I've discovered, because uh, we just did a survey on this on one of the equity uh, uh, Facebook groups, that that's actually a very common way of becoming an equity member. You just, you get hired for the right job and you decide, yes, I want to be a professional in theater. I want to be a professional stage manager, actor, and you keep the card going. So I'm IA, I'm equ equity. I still have my teaching license in Wisconsin. 
I'm not actively teaching anymore. I'm old enough to be retired. I put that in quotes because I'm not retired at all. Uh, but I'm not teaching K-12. Uh, I taught for one year at the University of Wisconsin. Um, I have an open-ended appointment as a lecturer there. So if they ever want me to teach classes or do webinars or do some online things for them, I can still help out. I can come in and, and be the expert that walks in the door and they can pay me and it's I don't have to go through all the hiring process, payroll stuff all over again. Sure. So in a, a slight way, I still have that college teacher credential going behind me. And I do a lot of work with teachers, K through adults, uh, that are teaching K-12 schools, people that are teaching colleges. Um, and now, since I'm an IA member, a couple of years ago, they started the thing where you could become an IA trained trainer. Okay. So anybody who was interested in that, we went to a session to learn even better ways of teaching technical theater skills, but also film industry because the IA represents film and TV too. Um, so I, I literally have taught everything from age three through 60, 70 year old adults. And I love it. I love sharing the knowledge that I have. I love learning new things. Um, I love being able to see all the different ways that we can do things right mm -hmm. in theater. There's more than one right way to build a set. There's more than one right way to make a costume for a specific actor. And the fact that there's more than one right way to do things is not the way that we teach kids when they're growing up. We right. teach them, here's your math problem, and there's a right answer and a right way to get that answer. Here you go. But real life is not that way. So as theater teachers, we give students skills that are completely applicable to what they do as adults. Mm -hmm communication skills, technical skills, all of that combined. So that's me in a nutshell. I, <laughs> I right now I work for an AV company here in Appleton, Wisconsin. I am their quality and customer advocate. So I go out and make sure that everything is installed correctly. Uh, I do some designing, which I love because we do everything from big PACs to corporate conference rooms, executive offices. Um, so I'm involved with some of that. Uh, lots of teaching things. I'm in the midst of writing a book. I just finished writing a chapter for somebody else's book. Um, helped out with the Event Safety Alliance reopening guide that's just come out, and that's yeah. free for anybody who wants to download it. Um, and I'm doing a bunch of webcasts relating to that right now because we all want theater to happen again, but we don't want anybody to get hurt. Right. That's right. I was just on the USITT member uh, seminar, I guess you could say, or chat yesterday, yeah. and they were discussing the the opening, um, that, that PDF that you can get online to let you know how to yeah. do it the right way, or at least the recommended way, shall we say. It remains to be seen if it's the right way, I guess. And it goes back to the fact there's no one right way to right. do it. So that, that book is a document of best practices, mm -hmm. things that we are reasonably confident are going to work okay. Uh, Steve Edelman, who's the vice president of the Event Safety Alliance, is a lawyer, and his practice specializes in sporting events, large gatherings gotcha. of people. So theater world was a really easy thing for him to do because you're still putting big months of people in a small space right. or a, you know, a limited amount of space where they can move around. And what you need to do with those crowds and those situations are the same. So, you know, you're, uh, this may be jumping ahead a little bit, but what are your thoughts on it, the, the entertainment industry opening back up? I, I, I'll, I'll quickly say, um, when this started, so so this spring break began March 13th or 14th or whatever it was for us down here in Texas, and my plan 
that those that whole spring break was to have this be my tenth and final year in the classroom and to re-enter the entertainment industry. And I was going back to school to get my second master's in in, in lighting. Well, my first in lighting, but my second overall. And then I just woke up one morning and thought, this is not a good idea. Uh, it would be right now, it would be irresponsible for me to try to re-enter after being out for so long, uh, the entertainment industry. And so I, I reapplied to my district and long story short, I'm staying in my district and moving to a different school. But, but, you know, it comes with that kind of uncomfortable uncertainty of what's next. And, I know you don't have a crystal ball. None of us do. But what is the talk kind of up there? Because I know things are a little different because you guys have ETC up there. You know, Wisconsin is, I guess, for some weird reason, <laughs> kind of a hub <laughs> for, for you know, technical theater, I guess, in a way. So what is what is kind of the feeling up there? Well, I can tell you the reason, because it was a guy named Gilbert Hemsley, who was a wedding designer in New York City, but he taught at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So back in the 70s and 80s, when he was actively teaching, he had hundreds of students coming to learn with him. Gotcha. And his way of teaching was, hey, let's go to New York, and you're going to work on my show for a week, and then we'll come back and talk about what you did. So that's where ETC grew out of, was a party at Gil Hemsley's house. And I know a bunch of people working in the industry who studied with him. Okay. Um, so as far as getting things reopened, this is what I'm telling folks. <laughs> We're dealing with a virus. Yep. Viruses are predictable in some ways and unpredictable in other ways. The bigger problem is we have people who don't understand that there are things that we can reasonably and intelligently do that will help to protect us from the virus. And they're stomping their feet about, it's my freedom, it's my civil liberty. Right. Sure, but those liberties also come with responsibilities as being part of civilization. So what we know is if you have an N95 mask, that that's reasonably safe. That's about as safe as we can get. But even just putting a a double layer of tea towel wrapped around your face with a bandana is better than walking down the street with nothing on your face. So the document that the Event Safety Alliance put together says there are some reasonable precautions that we can take. We can make sure that we are keeping people separate as much as possible. We can sanitize surfaces. Uh, we can eliminate food and drink beverage, you know, beverage service and make that even easier. Um, we can go to contactless ticketing, right. um, contactless forms of pavement. You know, we've got the ability to wave our phones and have a scan and the Apple wallet will take care of it for us. Um, so if your venue is able to, do all of those things in a safe way, you're going to be able to open up before somebody at, say, one of my local high schools up here where they're using physical tickets that they printed on the printer at somebody's house and you're picking them up at the drugstore downtown because that's the place that everybody goes. So they're the the vendor that's helping to sell the tickets um, and doing general admission because you don't have assigned seating or maybe you're doing it in the school cafeteria because that's what you've got. It's going to be a decision that will be made by each venue. I'm a little scared because on the professional side, Broadway is going to be shut down for quite a while. Broadway houses are tightly packed. Um, There's not, there's no way to do physical distancing in New York city anyway, just because of the number of people that you've got. Uh, And I've been very relieved and proud to see my New York friends staying home. Right. Having delivered to their apartment instead of going out and and 
spreading whatever they might have or taking things from one place to another. So it's going to be a decision that each venue is going to need to make. And each person operating the venue is going to need to talk to your local authority having jurisdiction, your local health providers, uh, and ask for guidance. Um, I can come and look at a place and go, this is what I would suggest. But there are, in Wisconsin alone, we have 425 school districts in round numbers. I can't get to all 425 school districts. But I can do a webinar with the school safety officers and say, this is what the Event Safety Alliance is recommending. Talk with your local healthcare folks and see what they recommend for your space. Right. That's good. No, that was awesome. That was really well said. I don't. I don't. I don't think I heard any ums or uhs. Those. <laughs> it's as though you've done this before. <laughs> I've done this before, and my grandmother. Okay, when I was growing up, and and we lived next door to my grandparents when I was very very young, and of course children learn how to speak well when they're between about one year and about three years of age. Uh-oh. So she. <laughs> She was old enough that Norwegian was spoken in the home, and in order for her to lose her Norwegian accent, she had elocution classes. Ah. It taught her how to speak properly, and if I would go, uh, uh, Christy, don't say that. Think about what you want to say, and then say it. So I've gotten better. (laughs) That's good. Well, so, too, because Gil or Gilbert Hemsley, who is no longer with us, he's uh, he died of cancer very young, but um, there is a website that I recommend, like I've told some of my kids about this, some of my students uh, in the past, and there's my dog in the background, but um, but there's a website that kind of devotes their time to internships. Uh, he still has a program, his his estate, his, there's a, I don't know if I would call it a company, but there's a, there's a program for interns and getting to know uh, feedback on lighting and, and they place you different spots. So anyway, something to look up if you've never heard of them before. Because I know a lot of non-lighting people probably have never heard the name before. So, the that foundation was put together because Gil was all about education. Yeah. Obviously, he was a college professor. So when he passed, that the ability for students to go to New York and have the kind of experience that Gil provided to his students. That's why that foundation was put together, and I enjoy seeing the people who are involved with that. I've got a lot of friends who are on the selection committee, and then you get to meet the young people that are going through the program, and they get a chance to do a variety of different kinds yeah. of lighting designs, see a bunch of, of different things that are happening, and I I truly think that's what makes a good designer is that exposure. You need to understand history. You need to understand when something's anachronistic. But the more shows that you see, the more little ideas that we glean from each other and things that we share with each other, the better the designer you're going to be. So speaking of good designer, your Facebook profile picture is either holding or next to or whatever. It has an Emmy in there, right? I'm holding an Emmy Award. Yeah. It's not an award. Um, <laughs> so I need history behind or the the story behind that. Um, I was on tour with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Okay. So Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is a show that's about um, a couple of drag queens going across the deserts of Australia okay. in a bus named Priscilla. One of them is going to meet his son, who he didn't know existed until shortly before the show starts, and, and it's the first time he's meeting his son. So it's very much a family-oriented show, <laughs> even though folks down south, oh gosh, Dallas, yeah. Texas, we had people who stand up walking out, this is a travesty. It's, oh, it's, it's one of my wife's favorites. It's, it really is one of my wife's yeah. favorites. So If you stay to the end, you see that it's not. This yeah. is about keeping family together, and that's really an important thing. So I'm backstage. Um, I was an electrician on the show. I ran Spotlight. 
And my work box backstage literally had a red carpet that led to it. <laughs> and one of our local wardrobe people on the show won an Emmy Award for some show that he had done as a wardrobe person and brought it in. And he's like, yeah, 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 look at me. I'm an Emmy winner. And he's got the <laughs> trophy and passing around. He's like, yeah, and here I am working as a dresser on a touring Broadway show, which is true. You know, people think, ah, oh, you won a Tony Award. You'll never have to look for work again. That's not how it goes. Yeah. You win your Tony Award, your show closes, you're back at the equity offices looking for your next audition. Yep. So I, I like that picture because I am genuinely happy in it and having a great time. <laughs> and it's, it's me doing what I love. Right. I love theater out there. I love the people that I was with. So no, it's not Miami Award, but it's, me being very happy keeping the arts going. So you mentioned that you are writing a book. Is that correct? I know you said yes, you I also did. wrote a chapter. In a, is, is this yep. is this something that can be public knowledge of when or what it's called or how we would be able to get something like this? This yes. is not wrapping up the conversation, however it sounds like I am. <laughs> yeah, they, they generally don't go, hey, buy my book, because I, I <laughs> no. don't like the arts band. But um, when I was out on tour several years ago, uh, I had a really bad experience. And right now I can't even remember what city it was. I kind of remember what time of year it was. Um, but we had a really horrible experience loading into some city. And I got back to the hotel that night and was laying in bed and, and we're talking with a friend of mine. I'm like, you know, all of this stuff that my IATC local teaches as part of our apprenticeship program, we've got it written down kind of, sort of. But there are other things like, um, I was in Florida at a venue and my front of house guy that was helping me there showed me how to use a figure eight, which is a climbing thing that I'd never seen before. But he sat in the chair and used the figure eight in order to help bring the uh, moving lights up to the rail. I'm like, this is beautiful. This is a great idea. So I, after having this horrible day and complaining that there was no good place for people to generally go and get this information, um, I wrote to the folks at Focal Press because most of the good textbooks that I had had in grad school came from Focal Press. And said, y'all need to have a book like this. And after a phone call, she said, y'all need to write a book like this. <laughs> so I put together my first book proposal. They sent it out to several people and um, got some feedback on the content because it was an outline as part of the proposal. So I got some feedback from there. And I've gotten feedback from a variety of people because I've, I am blessed with a network of highly intelligent, highly skilled theater professionals so that if I don't know about a certain prop, I can pick up the phone and call right. my friend Jay out in New York City. Or if I want to talk with somebody else about running a spotlight, I talk with June or Mikey. Or if I want to talk to a rigger, I call up Bill or Eric or you know Ethan. There's, there's, there are people that are experts in each of those areas that I can talk to. So I'm writing a book. It will be called The Stagehands Toolkit. So it's this, part is, of the this is what Donnie was mentioning as well. So same book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep, same book. Um, and it's been a slow, painful process because I don't get paid for writing the book. Right. I get paid with the sales. And um, I've got a household to take care of and jobs to do. And so uh, I'm now in year six of writing it. Right, right. <laughs> but it, it looks like it'll be wrapping up pretty soon. That's been one of the benefits about being quarantined is I've had more time to work on it. Um, and it, I'm guessing it'll be coming out in 2021. Okay. That's my hope anyway. Um, so that's that one. And then the other is a chapter in a book about stage managing. Uh, Chris Sadler, who's from Oklahoma City University, I met through KCACTF, which is the 
uh, Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. He, for a long time, was a stage management coordinator for KCACTF, and I was asked to be a respondent when uh, Region 3 was in Milwaukee five years ago or so. So that's how Chris and I became friends. So he asked me to write a chapter about touring and how the touring world works, which is kind of odd because I didn't tour as a stage manager. I toured as a front of house electrician. But mm-hmm. again, I've got friends who have done that. Pick up the phone and call. Hey, Jill. Hey, John. I'm writing this chapter. Can you take a look at it? Yeah, this looks great. Fabulous. So that's in the final editing stages right now. I'm waiting to hear back when that one will be released. So speaking of Donnie and Bad Lodens and Dallas, um, (laughs) so so my Bad Lodens story was almost was probably one of my first touring shows. If not, it was yeah, it was very close to the very beginning of one of my first touring shows, which was the theater on the campus of Southern Methodist University, which I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, but it's you know Central Dallas ish, and they have they have a lift and now. You know, one of the big things about Texas that most people know is that we don't have basements here. We don't have a need for a lift. We don't, you know, we, we flood. Um, right. Uh, so it'd be cr- crazy to have basements. So w- it was a lift that went up to the stage deck and you couldn't fit. I mean, the closet that I'm in now is maybe half the size of the lift uh, uh, because it was just not something made for the larger touring production. So anyway, that's my horrible load-in story. The crew was great. I, nothing against the people. It's just they are uh, cursed with this tiny elevator that you're supposed to get trussing and decking and all this kind of stuff in. Uh, so I don't know if that had anything to do with your story or not. But <laughs> I strongly suspect when the building was built, we yeah. didn't use truss because truss is fairly recent. Yeah. You know that. that within the 30 years that I've been in the industry. Uh, when I started out, everything was lights that came in on a meat rack and you might have a pre-hung bar on the meat rack. You put those on the battens, connected the cables. Yeah. There were individual cables for every light fixture. You know, I'm, I'm old enough, I'm pre-DMX, yeah. so nothing was computer controlled. When I first started, we had a 36 channel, two scene preset board and my job would be to get the next scene ready to go. Um, and it, it's been fun watching how things have evolved over the years. You know, when Source 4 came out, gosh, 25 or so years ago, that was a game changer yeah. because it saved a ton of electricity. And then we morphed into computerized control boards, and they've gotten so fancy now. I, I was just having a conversation with the stage manager who was saying, well, I have to run the lighting board because there's no room in the booth for me to not do it. Well, I can't put another person there. And I said, it's all controlled by an app. Yeah. You can write an <laughs> app and put it on your phone yeah. and sit anywhere in the theater you want. Yep. So that that has been one of the one of the most exciting things about this career has been watching all of that technology change yep. and simplify. So you know, ETC, the augmented thing that ETC is coming out with is like a video game. Yeah. We've got little kids that are learning how to to design lights with that. Yeah, it's crazy. There's uh, you know one of the benefits, and I'm going to ask you a question about this in a second. But one of the weird benefits from this, and I know you've been pushing a lot of that on the on the technical theater educators page on Facebook is that a lot of these companies now as a detriment to maybe these companies will that's still remains to be seen but they're releasing their software or links or uh different pieces of their software for free which i am immediately sending to my students that i know are interested in that field 
and saying, if you don't do this right now, you are an idiot and you're not taking advantage of like this software that otherwise would be very expensive. Um, so all that said, what out of this do we hold on to and say, oh, this actually might ben- be benefiting us more than hurting us that we're going to take on once all this is wiped out in six 12, 18 months, whatever that is. Not wiped out, but you know what I mean. Te- controlled, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, well, the educational opportunities that we have right now are unprecedented. Yeah. Um, one of the, the uh, nonprofits that I volunteer for is Avixa, which is the AV analog, analog to USITT. Okay. So USITT works with technical theater. Avixa works with AV. And Avixa is an international organization. It used to be called Infocom. Yeah. They still call their gathering Infocom, but they, they changed the name because it's more than just what it used to be. Anyway, um, Avixa has a huge suite of online education programming available. And it's from the basics of this is how color mixing works. This is Ohm's law. This is what you need to know to solder two pieces of wire together all the way up through advanced programming and computer networking. Right. So the fact that you can get all of that information, get all the access to all of those classes online right now for free, anybody who tells me their kids sitting home bored, I'm like, whoa, if they have any interest at all in technical theater, get them on the Avixa classes. USITT has been doing all these webinars that have been fantastic. ETC right now, I think maybe it ended yesterday. They've had their things available. And even if they are charging, I think it's $15 for an ETC class. Not at all. So we have the knowledge available. Um, What I see happening in the future is things getting lighter, faster, and taking less electricity. So just as the Source 4 made theatrical lighting more energy efficient, now we've got LED lights, and those are being used more in AV world, um, also in theatrical world. So that's going to help. Um, Dante has made computer networking for sound, oh my gosh, so much simpler. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to connect these two things. I pull up the computer screen. I, you know, click from one to the other. Boom, they're connected. Um, And instead of having to run miles and miles and miles of cable, I'm throwing in a Cat4 piece of wire and I'm done. So I I continue to see things getting smaller, lighter, more flexible. Um, The preponderance of people that are inventing theatrical lights, there's no way to keep up with all of that. There are 87,000 people, it seems, making LED fixtures of whatever flavor. And some of them are complete junk and should not be bought. And some of them have really amazing color rendering and really amazing um, ability to cut through whatever is their ambient. So things are going to continue to develop on the technical side. And we're going to need people who understand computer networking, who understand electrical engineering, uh, who understand how to make all of that work with each other. Yeah. So, no, that's good. So, Avixa, by the way, is A-V-I-X-A, and their website is avixa.org. And it says on the website that their full online education catalog is open through June 12th. So, uh, as of this recording, so we'll, we'll it's May 16th. This will go out next weekend, so still you're going to have plenty of time to, to get on there and peruse and hopefully take advantage of this online education catalog. So uh, that's great. Um, so I've got to ask a couple education questions, too. Uh, when you were okay. an educator, what do you miss from, that, from the classroom, from that time? 
and 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 I know you're still kind of dabbling in the college world, so pretend that you're not. <laughs> well, and, and then I've kind of replaced my being in the classroom with I've got a a group, not a, not a formal group. We don't meet as a group, but there are, gosh, probably about two dozen kids, and I'll use the word kids yeah. in quotes um, because some of them are very adult, but people that I'm helping to guide through the industry and helping to ensure that they have the knowledge and the skills they need to be successful. Um, what I loved about the in-person training it though, is when a kid finally figures it out, that aha moment of, Oh, that's how that works. Or when a student comes to you with a design that they've worked on and say, um, I picked the fleur de lis because this show is set in New Orleans and I know the Saints use it as their logo, but then I learned more about the history of it. And you see that they're making those connections from the theatrical project that they're doing with the history that they studied in their AP history class or something cultural. Right. Um, a couple of years ago, I was involved as a designer, uh, one of the, the last years that I taught high school, uh, we did ragtime. Okay. And ragtime is a racially charged show. My, it's fav- difficult my favorite musical of all time. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, this particular school district, that was the demographics of the school district. Sure. It was about 50% white. We had about 25% of people who of Jewish heritage, uh, about 25% who were African or uh, some kind of mixed. So the... Um, the main theater teacher there, I was teaching technical theater, but the other theater teacher there said, I'm going to do this and I know it's going to be difficult, but we're going to talk to the folks in the community. So we had a rabbi come in and talk to the kids. We had from the African-American community come in and talk to the kids. And what that did with that group of 60, 70 students, because they finally understood each other's cultures. Right. You can't replicate that any way else. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Ragtime, uh, like I said, kind of interrupting you a little bit, but it's, it's my favorite musical it, it, every time I listen to it, it gives me goosebumps. Uh, and it's just, it's just phenomenal. The story's phenomenal. The music's phenomenal. Also, it doesn't involve a whole lot of choreography, which is why I love it. But, you know, I know there's some of the ragtime dancing, but for the most part, it's movement, not choreography, you know, not, not big time dancing. So that's why I know I could direct it. Uh, cause I am not <laughs> dancing is not my forte, shall we say. So, uh, from the classroom though, uh, one thing that we have down here is a massive one act play contest and it we almost, okay. So it almost defines a, an educator down here, a theater educator. When you interviewed a new school, they say, well, what, what, what's your history with one act play? And, I went to a school here, a performing arts school, similar to like fame, that did not compete, that we, we never did it. So I was not raised in the world of one-act play, but obviously as an educator, I have been thrusted into this, this world, and I'm not competitive, I don't care, I just want the art to be what the art is, right? So, right. so I'm a very unique director down here in that I, I understand the importance of one-act play, but I do not find it necessary to be a theater educator or do not find it to be a defining point of how I educate a student. What is it like up there? Cause I, I know Wisconsin has one, but I mean, is it something that yeah. defines you of who you are? Is it a big percentage of your interview? That kind of stuff. It is not as competitive up here because it's run as a festival. 
Okay. So when we are adjudicating the plays that are submitted, um, there's like you guys have, uh, there's a big book of rules wow. and time is the big thing up here. So you've got basically five minutes to set up about 30 minutes to do your show and about five minutes to tear down. Uh -huh. That's not the exact timings, but you know, in, in round numbers. Yeah. Um, and there are some schools that take it very, very seriously, <laughs> Yeah. but the, it's not, this is the best in the state. Your school won and is the best in the state. It is, you went through all of the different levels of competition. And if you made it to state, that is a tremendous honor just in getting that far. Right. So the schools that do it, we do it in the fall here. And we actually have a thing called the Alliance for Wisconsin Theater Education. So teachers and anybody else who's interested in theater education, we meet one day on a Friday in September, which gives people a chance to talk about one acts, but we do a bunch of other things too. The vendors come in, we've got a little expo that goes with it. Uh, we'll have a keynote speaker that will talk. Like we just rolled out new standards. So that was a big focus of it, but it, it it's there to support theater educators. Then that rolls right into the one act season, which culminates the week before Thanksgiving with the state festival. And our state festival moves around the state to various colleges. So it's not always going to the same place every year. Sure. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. Adam Jacoby, who heads up WHSFA, would know them, but I'm going to just spitball and say there's probably 120 out of the 425 schools that enter. Now, you also need to realize that in Wisconsin, we only have a handful of people that are certified theater educators. Okay. Most of the theater programs are taught by an English teacher, a social studies teacher, or in, in most of the places, it's the choir director who does a school musical and that's it. So of those 120 schools that are entering, they're the ones that have somebody who focuses on theater in some way, shape or form, even if they're not a certified theater educator. Okay. Uh, from that, they go to their district contest, which is probably five or six schools. It's done usually on a Thursday night, Friday night after school. Um, and you go through the whole series of shows from there. And you're judged on a pass to the next level or stop at this level. Mm -hmm. You get feedback, so you've got some things that you can work on in rehearsal. Um, but it's not a, a scoring system or a rating system or a, you got two stars in this and only one star in that. Uh, and the idea is to strengthen theater knowledge right. to help some of these schools that don't have a lot of, you know, because we've got people that aren't theater professionals as their main focus that are doing this. Um, in my high school, for example, the guidance counselor got involved because her son was participating and then she just hung in with it. Um, so you've got the district level, regional level, and then from regionals you go to state. And we have probably Oh, anywhere from 25 to 60 that make it to state, depending upon the year and, and what else is going on. Um, our state venues always have at least two theater spaces. There's almost always shows going on in one of the other spaces for two days. Right. Uh, we always do a big showcase production. Sometimes it's a school production. Sometimes it's college that's showing off. Um, but it, it also has a small expo and a ton of workshops and seminars okay. so the kids can go and learn about a variety of things. Um, we did this last one. We also have things about uh, theater safety and acting teachers will talk about how to audition and choreographers will hear this is how you do a time step because that's a pretty common tap mm -hmm. thing that you need to know. Um, lighting folks will come in and talk about here's the lighting programs that we've got. Um, it, it's a, an assortment of things and 
a lot of college teachers will go and give sessions also, in part because they're recruiting for their colleges, but also because that's part of the community service, that's part of the Wisconsin idea. So the University of Wisconsin has this thing called the Wisconsin idea, which is the borders of the college are the borders of the state. All of the state is involved in learning and education. Uh, And people who are working towards tenure in colleges get credit towards their tenure requirements by going and doing these kinds of service activities. So we've got that one day in September, but then we've also got the State Theater Festival, which are the, the two entities where pretty much everybody gets together to talk about theater education. And if you're a teacher whose play did not get to the state level on the competitive basis, you can still take your kids and go. You can still go and see all of the other shows. You can still participate in all of the different seminars and workshops. So it truly is a festival of theater education that's put on by the State High School Forensics Association. That is awesome. That's, I mean, that, you know, it sounds very similar to down here. You have thespians up there as well. Uh, through EDTA and uh, and such, but down here, our big one act play festival culminates usually in April, sometimes early May, but um, and it it all goes to Austin or thereabouts, so the capital of the state. But our Thespian Festival is in November, and so it's it's two separate things. So our Thespian Festival has those workshops, has shows, some two act musicals. It depends on what what gets chosen. But uh, so it's it's practically the same thing, but we've separated it. You know, it's that whole mantra of everything's well, not a mantra, but you know what I mean, of everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, and and we embrace that. Um, so a couple more questions and then I'm going to let you go. I could probably talk to you forever because I think we have uh, very similar interests as, as far as technical theater. And, and, and you seem still passionate about education, which is amazing. So I, I have. A few more questions. <laughs> I'm going to save a good one for the end that that um, uh, is is topical is is a very it's in the news right now. But I'm going to wait for that one. So I want to talk okay. about your you you mentioned earlier that you still learn from or, or not that you still learn, but that there is no right or uh, one way to do it. There's excuse me. Let me back up on this question. <laughs> there is, there's no one way to do something, correct? So there are right, many right ways to do something. Yes. Have, have you ever walked, and I believe that too, have you ever walked into a situation sort of as uh, maybe a consultant or maybe you were just walking in just by chance and you noticed something that they had done the right way but very new and you had never seen that before and you just were like, wow, that's... I'm going to take that in and all the time, time. all the time. There's this company called creative Connors. So you were talking about Wisconsin kind of being a a big headquarters for theater manufacturing. Um, Mod trust is down in Fond du Lac and Patrick Santini who runs mod trust is a dear friend of mine. So mod trust is trust built in a variety of sizes. It's kind of like life-size tinker toys. So they've got one six inch, three inch. You can put it together any way you want. And the stuff is strong, crazy strong. And when it wears out, it's recyclable. Okay. So Creative Counters is an automation firm. They have built a lift with a mod truss base. So you've got one theater company, Creative Counters, taking another theater company's stuff, mod truss's stuff, using that in their product. And the cool thing about this lift is um, – you can go, I think it's 18 feet tall okay. and 
depending upon the height that you want, you just add another piece of mod truss on it, reconfigure the lift, and away you go. So that's one of the more recent things that I've seen that I went, oh, that's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, I was talking about the production, the ragtime production, um, and we brought in Foy to do the flying on that because we had Harry Houdini enter upside down flying from oh, the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and so when Michelle, who's the flying director, came in, she actually ran a mini class with the kids on here are the laws of physics that go with the flying rig that we've got. Well, when I was on tour with Priscilla, we had a foy rig that had three girls on it. So I learned how the triple flying rig works. But then I learned how ZFX does theirs, which is a little bit different, but a lot the same. So all of the different things that are being developed, you know, in the AV world, we've got really cool LED display products that are coming out all the time. Um, unified communication products that are coming out. Uh, Clearcom now has a version that is web-based. Yeah. So I can get the app and sit at home on the phone and I can listen to a friend calling a show in Timbuktu if I want to. Uh, so yeah, there's all these cool things that keep being developed and you know, I'm a geek at heart. I love it all. Yeah. The, the Clearcom thing, I'm going to mention those two companies that you just mentioned as well, but the Clearcom thing, I think I could be completely wrong about this. I'm just pulling this out of my, you know what, but might be a response to the Zello app that was so popular for a while um and that some theaters i know we in a theater that i work for down here we started using the zello app if we didn't have because it was a traveling group if we didn't have any sort of communication we would just plug in our headphones and be on zello yeah so so you mentioned mod trust which i had heard of mod trust before i'd never heard of creative connors and i'm on their websites right now uh modtrust.com which their stuff is just so unique. <laughs> so, but it's fun. Like if you were that, I was the kid that I would re- ask my parents to get me a remote control car. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd play with it. And then within the same day, it would be in pieces just so I could see what it looked like. Um, so Mod Trust is right up that alley, right up there. One of the things that Mod Trust has that is fabulous for theater educators is they've got a SketchUp archive Archive is probably not the right word. Uh, warehouse, I think. A, a actually database of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a bunch of different mod trust designs that are already available in SketchUp. Wow. So if you're teaching students about scenic design and they are overwhelmed with having to try to pull things out of their head because kids don't understand how stuff goes together like mm-hmm. that, but they can pull one of those projects out and then they can manipulate the things that are in it or they can add components together. Yeah, they sure do. I'm on here now. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, and so and then Creative Connors. I will say this: I don't want to be mean to Mod Trust. Creative Connors wins in the uh, website design uh, uh, category right now. <laughs> they have a very nice website, um, but their 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 stuff looks fun. I'll I'll get into that later. But CreativeConnors.com. Um, so that's cool. Thank you for that answer and those recommendations. You're you're kind of a wealth of knowledge, which is exactly what I needed. Um, <laughs> so I'm a in college. It's it's held me all the way life. <laughs> so speaking of wealth of knowledge, um, I I want to this the, this is a kind of a two part question, but it's going to roll together. So you mentioned earlier that you're doing webcasts, but I also want to get an idea from you for teaching tech online because a lot of tech theater teachers and I would venture to say some that don't really aren't tech savvy they're they're teaching tech but that's not necessarily their world 
are a little bit freaking out about, well, if we go to this hybrid idea of next fall, we are teaching two, three days on campus and then two, three days online. Mm -hmm. How do I get a kid to safely do technical theater that isn't just design? Design can be done online. I think that's a pretty easy one to figure out. But as far as technical theater, knowing how to build a standard flatter platform, what do we do to do that online and still be effective? Well, you use online as the source of the information. There is There are so many really good videos on YouTube that demonstrate the techniques that we use in technical theater, painting techniques, building techniques, all of those kinds of things are available. Many of the manufacturers have uh, webinars or uh, videos on their websites. Like there's a lot of, Sure has a bunch of stuff about microphone handling. Um, ETC, again, if you need to learn about board operation, you can download the software on your computer for free and spend $15 and go through their basic class on how to be an EOS programmer. Uh, so that is all pretty easy to do. But the actual hands-on stuff is where technical theater education shines. There's a website called Animated Knots, and there are basic knots that we use in theater that everybody should know how to do. Yeah. So you send the kid home with a piece of string or a piece of tie line, or they can use a shoelace or whatever to learn how to do their knots. And that's going to come in handy in a whole bunch of other situations. Um, simple sewing projects, how to sew on a button properly, how to sew on a snap, um, things about painting and color mixing. Uh, I was talking with one theater teacher who sent uh, a disposable brush, you know, one of those super cheap 99 cent paint brushes that's half inch wide and little, uh, like go cups from the, the restaurant mm. with paint in each of the go cups. So the kids were given primary colors, black and white. So five cups and the little paintbrush, uh, the, the narrow paintbrush, and then a thinner, um, I would call it like a watercolor brush. Okay. I don't normally brush numbers that well. I'd look at them and go, yes, this is the <laughs> one I want. Uh, but that's what they were given as their home painting kit. And then um, painted a variety of different things just using that. Right. So there are things that you can do that are small, that are easily portable, that are not super expensive that you can give to your students to take home and work on when you don't have them in class, or you can send it or drop it off at their house if you can't do any contact with them at all. Right. Also, I cannot think of a theater professional at all that is not willing to Skype in and talk with your kids. Right. This is a fabulous time to say, hey, I want to have a professional stage manager who's toured with the Broadway show talk to my students about what it is to be on the road. Or I want to have somebody who's a carpenter talk about the sets they build. Or a designer talk about how they go through the design process. All of that is the theater people are very, very generous, and most of us are bored out of our minds yeah. right now. <laughs> so they're willing to share. That's funny you say that. So one of the things that we do in our district down here is uh, six years ago we started a sort of Tony Awards type uh, award ceremony. And this comes from a guy that earlier said I'm not competitive, but I, I started, I created this award ceremony for, we have 11 high schools in our district. And uh, to create a smaller community, we created this award show. And this year we obviously went online with it. And I reached out to, uh, because I went to this performing arts school, I have a lot of friends that are still in the biz, some more well-known than others. Some are 
very well known behind the scenes. You'd never see them before, but they were all like, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> let me, let me help and present an award. And, uh, none of them were hesitated. If anything, they answered me quicker than they've ever, ever answered me before with things. And, uh, so it speaks to that. And a couple of them are, uh, East coasters. So they, you know, they were just sitting on their couch and even said that in their presentation, like I had to move from this part of my apartment to this part of my apartment to record this. So thank you for making me get up. Uh, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> so speaking of the East coast, all right. So something that's a hotbed topic right now is Tootsie, right? And yes. How, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I, I feel free to tell me to shut my mouth, but, uh, one of my close friends was supposed to be the production manager for Tootsie equity stage manager, and they ended up going non-equity and it's a, yep. it's a big deal right now. Um, so I don't want to get into the, the weeds of, of why they made their decision or why they, why they went one way or another, because I think it's somewhat obvious, but maybe not. Um, but your thoughts on once we get back going, the equity side of things, the protection of equity, do you think that's going to hold any merit for those hardworking actors and stage managers and such that are, that are staying in the business and hopefully going to re-up their time in the business? Yeah, it, it all goes back to knowledge. It always goes back to education. So when I had the chance to get my equity card, I could have declined. Mm -hmm. Federal law says you do not have to become a union member to take a job. There are certain exceptions if it's a union shop, a closed shop, where it's a requirement for that particular shop. But for equity, because it's a national union, that's not an actual requirement. Okay. But I wanted that because I wanted to be recognized as a professional, and that's the level that I wanted to work at. And having seen some horribly unsafe situations, I will not work in a theater without union protection. Sure. So something that many people are not aware of is Broadway and touring Broadway are for-profit models of theater. They have investors, just like any big business would have investors if it's on the stock market. And their duty of obligation, their fiscal duty is to their investors, not to putting on a great show. And the lesson for this for equity members is if you don't have a signed contract, you don't have a job. Right. Right. You might have an offer, but until you've got that signed contract, both sets of signatures, you do not have a job. Yeah. So I've been listening to the equity folks whine and complain about it. I mean, and yeah, they've got a legitimate complaint, but legally, no, because you never actually had the job. Right. Yeah. So I'm hoping that equity is going to look at how they work with producers. Um, I recently helped a, a friend here in town who did his first equity show as a producer, and I was a stage manager. And it was, it was difficult because unless you've taken the Commercial Theater Institute classes, and you've taken a class on how to run a 501c3, you're probably not going to understand the differences between how those two business models work and which one's the right one for you. So I'm hoping that equity is going to be even more proactive in the assistance that they provide to producers, but also more strict in the requirements that they have for what truly is an equity show when you truly have a job offer. Because I know it was a, a good learning thing for a lot of equity members. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... And it is interesting to see it just kind of unfold online and, and through social media and such. So here's a good question for you to end on. I just had cheese curds a couple days ago. 
<laughs> and uh, my mother-in-law, who lives with us, swore up and down that they were not cheese curds. Now, she's a southerner. She's from East Texas, so she knows nothing about cheese curds, right? But I know in Wisconsin, cheese curds are kind of like that's a morning, noon, and night type of uh, appetizer. I can grab the bag and have in the fridge right now, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So give me what what is the best cheese to put in a cheese curd because that's what she was swearing she was saying the cheese that's in here is not that's not cheese okay. curd cheese so so here's all cheese has a curd stage sure when you make cheese it curdles that's what the curd is so what we sell is cheese curds here are cheddar cheese at the curd stage rather than putting it in blocks and pressing all of the moisture out of it uh, generally it's been in the cow that morning at 5 a.m. and you're eating it fresh and warm about 11 a.m. if you're lucky and wow. at the, the cheese factory. Um, and then we deep fry them and bread them and eat them with beer because it's Wisconsin, you yeah. know, that's why here's a little overweight. Um, but yeah, so when you eat cottage cheese, what you are eating is the curds and whey of cottage cheese. See, when my, you're... my absolute favorite cheese is fresh Colby. Okay. So, um, Colby is actually a city here in Wisconsin. That's where Colby cheese came from. And it looks like cheddar cheese, but it's a more mild flavor. It doesn't age like cheddar cheese does. And if you get Colby that's about five days old and you break open the package and slice it, it crumbles Mm. and it melts and it makes the most delicious grilled cheese sandwich. And it's just lovely and yummy and I adore it. (laughs) So it's funny you say the beer thing too. uh, And I know I said I'd wrap up, but I lied. So one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite venues to visit was was it the Paps Theater in Milwaukee? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous oh, place. Well, I I honestly couldn't tell you much about the the house, the theater itself, but all I know is that underneath in the basement was kind of the green room area with a fridge just stocked almost to the point where if you if you grab five or six Paps out of there, just magically five or six more uh kind of spawned out of the fridge and it just kept going it was a cycle it was it very dangerous i've never eaten more chocolate in my life than playing hershey pennsylvania <laughs> and i was go. really good at avoiding it but they had all of the little hershey miniatures yeah. unlimited supply backstage yeah. and the, the guy who was my spot up kept bringing me a little dixie cup full of them and setting it on my calling table every night yep. like oh gosh so this is go. so good so the 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 uh, if you take anything away from this conversation, it's always visit a city that is well known for a vice. <laughs> so one of the cool things about touring is seeing how barbecue is different across the country. Uh, yeah, and it's all wrong except for down here in Texas. I'll tell you that. I'm a fan of Louis myself, but well, I'll leave it everywhere. <laughs> you, it's okay to be wrong once or twice. Minor